Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we are going to be back into the days of Noah. We're in chapter 5, the civilization before the flood. Dahan does a wonderful job. I hope you're enjoying the series of the days of Noah as we continue on. Let's get busy. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Matthew 24, 3. The 24th chapter of Matthew is the answer of our Lord Jesus Christ to a question put by his disciples concerning his return at the end of the age. The question is definite and unmistakable. What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Jesus immediately and directly plunges into a recitation of scores of signs by which we may know that his coming is near. In the beginning of the chapter, he mentions deception, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, apostasy, earthquakes, anti-Semitism, false teachers, and a number of other signs. Next, he warns them of the coming of the Great Tribulation, and then gives a picture of his glorious second coming. Next, he gives the sign of the fig tree and caps it all off by a recapitulation of all the foregoing signs when he says, For as in the days that were before the flood, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, Matthew 24, 38, and 39. These verses are the heart of the entire chapter. Jesus says when the conditions which existed before the flood are repeated, then you may know that it is near at hand, even at your doors. All we need to do, therefore, is to find out what the conditions were in those antediluvian days and then compare them with the events as they are today. And by this, we may be assured of his near return. The statement is positive and admits of no juggling or tampering. As it was in the pre-flood days, so shall it be in the days just before the Lord's return. There is therefore no excuse for one's being in darkness. For anyone can find out in less than a half an hour just exactly what Jesus referred to. The entire record of the days before the flood is contained in three brief chapters of the Word of God. Genesis chapters 4, 5, and 6. The entire section can be read in a few minutes. Besides these chapters, there is no other authentic record of the days to which Jesus refers in Matthew chapter 24. There is no secular or profane history of humanity which goes back to the days of the flood, let alone before the flood. Everything, therefore, that is written concerning those days is given in these three brief chapters, and this is what Jesus referred to when he said, as it was in the days of Noah. The fourth chapter of Genesis gives us a picture of the economic and industrial conditions which existed before the flood. Genesis 5 gives us a dispensational picture of those same days, and Genesis 6 is a picture of the moral situation and conditions before the flood and which were the occasion for the coming of the deluge upon the earth. The economic picture as related for us in the fourth chapter of Genesis is pointed and brief. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Meheljol, and Meheljol begat Methusel, and Methusel begat Lamech. And Lamech took unto him two wives, the name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jabal, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, 
an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Genesis four seventeen through 24. We find eight striking things which stand out above all others in this passage. And when these are repeated, they will constitute the sign of the coming of the Lord in the end of the age. These eight signs are religious apostasy, travel, city building, polygamy, great agricultural achievement, music, metallic arts, unprecedented violence. In our previous chapters, we studied the first two of these, religious apostasy and travel. Note each one of these carefully and see what Jesus meant when he referred to the days of his coming again as being a repetition of the days which immediately preceded the flood of Noah. The next one of these signs is city building. And we have the record in Genesis 4:17 where we read, And Cain built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. This is the first mention of cities in the entire word of God. When God created man, he did not place him in a city, but in a garden. Cities were invented by wicked men and have ever since been the symbol of wickedness and corruption. In the concentrations of populations in our cities, sin develops at a rate utterly unknown elsewhere. Time does not permit us to point out the dangers of city life, morally and spiritually, dangers utterly unknown in rural districts. Well, it all began before the flood in the days of Cain. It was the first great city-building boom of all history and was followed by all the evils which are peculiar to the urban districts and city life of any age. The past generation or two has seen a literal repetition of this sign of the days of Noah. Less than a 100 years ago, we are told, almost 85% of the population of the world lived on farms and in small rural communities. Then came the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century, with its machinery and labor-saving farm implements and devices, so that millions employed on the farm were no more needed there because of this development of labor-saving machinery. As the door of labor closed in agriculture, the newly built factories springing up everywhere to build the same labor-saving machinery called for the services of these same rural young people who were not needed on the farm, and the great shift from the country to the city began. New and better machinery was built throwing more and more men out of work on the farm, while demanding more and more of them in factories of the cities to build more labor-saving machines to throw more men out of work on the farm to seek employment in the city to build more machines to throw more men out of a job, and so on and so on indefinitely. Until today, the ratio has been completely reversed, and more than 85% of the entire population now lives in the city with a corresponding increase of wickedness and crime which characterizes city life. The simple rural life has decreased, and the mad, wicked scramble and screeching of city life has broken down the composure and ease and contentment our forefathers knew, and about which we know nothing at all anymore today. Yes, God still lives in the country, and Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city. Genesis 4.17 As a direct result of this concentration of the population in the cities, we have the next sign which is mentioned in this passage, namely that of the breakdown of the home and polygamy. 
Lamech was the first man in human history to break God's rule of creation, and he began a sin which culminated in the flood. We have the record in our scripture. And Lamech took unto him two wives, Genesis 4.19. In the wake of city building came the evil of divorce and polygamy and the breakdown of the home. Because of concentration of population and the closer association of the sexes in industry, women leaving their homes and children to enter factories and shops and offices, this evil broke beyond all constraints. There can be no question that the Lord Jesus Christ also had this in mind when in Matthew 24, he told us the days of Noah would be repeated, for he says that in those days they shall be marrying and giving in marriage. Certainly he was not condemning marriage, for that is a God-given institution. God himself brought together the first man and woman in the garden. And so the reference, therefore, must be to the abuse of marriage rather than the use. God made one man, Adam, to be the husband of one wife, Eve, and said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, not wives, and they shall be one flesh. Genesis 2.24 Today we have a repetition of the days of Noah. I remember when, as a boy, we heard of a divorce, and we thought it was the greatest of shame. When a divorce was obtained, the parties concerned were so ashamed, they usually left the community to begin life anew where they were unknown. Divorces were hard to obtain then, too, but better still, were seldom sought. Churches refused fellowship to the guilty parties and discouraged it violently. Today, thanks to our modern philosophies and enlightenment of civilization, all of this has changed. Divorce has been glorified and made a means of lucrative popularity among certain classes. The rate of divorce in the last 50 years has doubled, trebled, and quadrupled, and then doubled again, while our land is becoming flooded with a generation of children who have never known the blessings of a happy home. And this alone has been the greatest single contributing factor to juvenile delinquency. Statistics show that by far the greater majority of all juvenile crime cases came from broken homes. Divorce is an evil cancer, contrary to God's word, and should never even be mentioned among those who name the name of Christ. Yet today in many states there are as many as four divorces annually to every ten marriages, and they are still on the increase. In the state of Michigan alone, one out of every three marriages ends in the divorce courts. Never before in history since the days before the flood has this condition existed so generally, and it is undoubtedly this that the Lord referred to when he said, as it was in the days before the flood, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We now come to the third sign mentioned in our passage to which our Lord Jesus Christ must have been referring in his discourse on Mount Olivet. It was an age of great development in agriculture and animal culture. We read, And Ada bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle, Genesis 4.20. Closely associated with city growth, and as direct result of it, came the development in agriculture and in animal husbandry. The depletion of labor on the farms called for more efficient and productive methods. This need, together with scientific research and the machinery produced in the city, has therefore revolutionized the whole business of farming. Remember this third sign, which speaks of cattle as being used by man for the first time. This was the beginning of the cattle industry, and it is the first mention of cattle being used for man's profit. We have not far to look to see a repetition of this in modern life today. The fact of the latest development of this branch of modern civilization is too well known to need much comment. What advancement has been made in farming in the last generation? 
With all of our new machinery, the scientific progress in cattle breeding, as well as poultry and sheep, by the new discoveries of the laboratories, we have gone ahead by leaps and bounds. The milk production of dairy cattle has been pushed to unbelievable heights. The development of beef cattle by careful breeding and discoveries for prevention and cure of disease have done veritable miracles. Artificial insemination of cattle with the seed of carefully selected males has made prize stock available throughout all the world. The pedigree seed of a prize-winning sire can be flown across the country and even across the seas to introduce this super strain in the herds abroad by artificial insemination. Surely it is the age of miracles in agriculture, horticulture, and animal husbandry. And what is true of animal husbandry is just as true in the raising of crops. Through scientific research and hybridization, we have been able to develop new strains of grains and fruits and vegetables and to greatly increase the productivity of our land. This, too, is in fulfillment of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he said, As it was, so shall it be. In our next chapter, we shall take up the last three of the eight definite signs in the coming of Christ, suggested in the words of Jesus, As it was in the days before the flood, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. If the Lord tarry, we shall take up these last three signs, the development of music, metallurgy, and the unprecedented increase in violence and crime. We close again with the words of Jesus. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Luke 21, 28. Well, guys, I hope that you can relate to some of that as you're looking into our society today. There's definite increase in everything that Dahan speaks of. But again, what I find more interesting than anything is the fact that Dahan wrote this in 63. In 1963, he sees all of this. And now today in 2021, it is unprecedented in the way we are seeing it. And so nothing new under the sun. And it's going to continue to increase worse and worse as we continue to allow sin to abound. No restraining of it. Our law is lawless. And I just don't know. I don't even know where we're going to end up sometimes. But hey, I hope you have enjoyed this. And if you have, please like, share, subscribe, follow. And until next week, God bless. God bless.